Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. One of the topics that we talked about this week on the show was the Demon Corps and other criticality accidents. And I said in that episode that I, I might tell a story on myself about a time that I've done an incredibly foolish thing, knowing it was foolish, but also did not involve handling nuclear material. <laughs> Please do. I'll tell one as well, and you'll be like, oh, I'm not as stupid as Holly. <laughs> so, uh, I was living in my very first apartment, and the building had been sold to another owner, and I was very, very nervous about whether I was going to, like, my rent get raised or whether I was going to get evicted. Like, I did not want to cause any problems. And I had this stacked washer-dryer unit in my kitchen, and it had stopped working very well. And I realized it was because the the place where, like, you clean the dryer vent, like, that was all plugged up with dryer lint. So I was removing the dryer lint from that part of my dryer with a fork. Did you unplug the dryer? Yes, yes. The dryer was unplugged. I was that smart. But as I was doing this, I thought to myself, self, you're going to drop that fork. And then you're going to have to explain to your landlord, who you're already concerned about (laughs) with your housing, uh, you're going to have to explain to your landlord how you dropped a fork into the interior of your dryer. And then I dropped the fork. Um, and I, I was able to get the fork out of the dryer. I think what I wound up having to do was, like, detaching the, like, the dryer hose from the wall and going in that way. Uh, it was not my finest moment. I, I In my defense... I was, like, 22 years old, living on my own for the first time. And as I said, very concerned about whether I was about to be evicted because the building had been sold. See, I have so many of those moments. I feel like uh, there's... Here's one thing that I will say up front. It never fails that right before I injure myself terribly in some stupid way, I go, this is stupid, and then I do it anyway, and there we go. Mm -hmm. I will tell the story of... um, not electricity, but many moons ago, I used to make a lot of giant costumes. Like, we would wear them to Dragon Con and stuff. And once I was working on one, and I was using an X-Acto blade to cut, I think it was like, not PVC, it was like a, a heavy garden hose that was part of a thing. And I just kind of like had it in my lap, wedged in a weird way. And I remember thinking like, I'm being so stupid, but God, I got to get this thing done. And then suddenly, I don't even know quite what happened. I just know that I was looking at my hand and there was a an exacto knife all the way through it. And I just ah! had it standing there on my hand, kind of like... Almost in awe, I was like, that's interesting. That's not how that's supposed to be. Like, my body just, like, took my brain out of the equation in terms of any sort of horror. And were oh my it goodness. not for the fact that one of my friends, who is very squeamish, was there and was like, get that knife out of your hand. I don't know how long I would have just, like, sat there in a weird shock like stupor. <laughs> Going, gosh, I'm so stupid. Look, there's a knife sticking out of my hand. Um, but that happened. 
Yeah. Since this is an audio podcast, people cannot see, like, the progressive look of horror (laughs) that my face transformed through during that story. Yeah. I mean, I try not to be that stupid. That's a classic case of a, like, procrastinated project that ends up with sleep deprivation on a deadline that means you have to do something to get this done and you become a (laughs) dum-dum. Don't be like me, kids. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like I said, like, I can totally be like, I can see being like, this is this is a foolish thing to do, but I'm doing it. But again, not with nuclear materials. Yeah. Um, And I did, really. There was this moment where I was like, I had done all of my research. I had a long list of criticality accidents that were just so similar that I was like, why, why am I doing this? <laughs> I need some kind of resolution to this because otherwise it's like, here's a bunch of incidents that happened. They were bad. And then like, what? Then what? Um, there was one that I debated about whether to include and did not include. And it was actually, one of the reasons that I didn't include it was because it was actually a reactor meltdown. Not nearly as massive as something like the Chernobyl disaster, but it was this reactor called the um, the SL-1 it was being brought back online after having been shut down for the holidays, at the like the winter holidays. And what seems to have happened is there was a control rod that needed to be gradually and slowly removed. But it was sticky. And they knew it was sticky. And the people managing the facility knew it was sticky. And they had kind of just cobbled together some procedures for how to deal with the sticky control rod. And what it seems like happened is... The worker who was trying to pull it out yanked it and pulled it too far too fast, and the entire assembly went critical, and it exploded, and all three of them were killed. And it was like it had some similarities in terms of like their the safety stuff was was not being done, but it was also way more of a like a systemic thing of like number one, one control rod was enough to make this whole thing go critical. Number two, like the people who were managing these three workers like knew about the stickiness problem and they hadn't found a good way to deal with it. And then, yeah, one one of the outcomes from that is that it they then started designing reactors so that you could not cause the whole thing to go super critical by removing one control rod. My question that I mentioned having during the episode that <laughs> I would save till now is like, and this is a stupid question. It's not a real question. Why would anyone do these jobs? Yeah, I I had this question of like what what knowledge were you gaining from these criticality experiments that was so so important that you were willing to do criticality experiments by holding radioactive materials with your hands basically. I mean not really. They weren't holding the core, but they were like building stuff around a core with their hands and sometimes sticking a screwdriver in it. Yeah, that's, that's like, wh- what? And so, like, I, I read some accounts from other nuclear physicists who were like, this was critical research that needed to be done and there wasn't a remote facility to do it yet, so we did it. And I'm still like, that seems so bad, though. It's like such a bad idea. So anyway, there's a lot about this episode <laughs> that I feel like is just unresolved, but um, also, I don't know, it just it's felt like sort of a, a macabre, kind of horrifying thing that that made a kind of atypical but also interesting October entry. Oh, yeah. I mean, right, if it were not for the unfortunate 
mortality rate involved in all of these stories, any one of them would make a very interesting, scary creature invention story or, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, how a superhero gets their power stories. But unfortunately, those are fiction and this is the reality that it's a very dangerous thing to work with. Yeah. I'm glad that the industry... I mean, I have various various wish lists. I wish that nuclear weapons just didn't exist, that that just had never happened. Uh, But since they do, I'm glad that the industry involved with dealing with these materials got better at safety. Yeah. Happy Halloween, question mark. One of our episodes this week was an interview that I feel so privileged to have done with Alvin Hall and Janae Woods-Weber about the podcast that they have created called Driving the Green Book. This is one of those podcasts that is a team effort. Alvin was the host and Janae was the associate producer and the two of them went on the road trip together. But then there are also like editors and a composer and all these other people whose work went into that show. Um, it is really lovely. I I cannot stress that enough. Um, we we got an email from somebody on our marketing team who had gotten an email from another team asking if we were interested in this. And both of us were like, yes, definitely. Instantly. Yeah, I didn't want to get into this in too much detail during the interview because I really wanted to keep the interview focused on them as much as possible and on their work and not have me having like extended background of our show in the middle of it. But I first heard about the Negro Motorist Green Book. At this point, it's been several years ago. And I started trying to work on an episode on it back in probably 2013 or 14. It was a while back. And at that point, there was way less information available than there is now. Um, The New York Public Library, uh, I mentioned in the interview, they've digitized something like 23 years worth of green books. That hadn't happened yet. So (laughs) I had like a partial scan of one copy and a couple of really brief articles. And I was like, I just, I don't have enough to make an episode out of this. And then as more as more stuff became available and, like, the New York Pi- Public Library did all those digitizations and, like, there was more stuff, then it was more like I just couldn't figure out a great approach to it because a lot of times when we're talking about historic publications, we read selections from them and talk about them, and that just didn't feel as meaningful when big parts of those publications are sort of, like, lists of businesses Um, lists of hotels that you could stay at, lists of places to get food. Um, So the fact that they uh, had this idea of going on a road trip and visiting all these people, visiting the places that still are in business, but in some cases just talking to people about the things that they remember, like that's, that's not something that our show could really support in terms of the way our budget and our timelines and stuff like that work. Um, and it's also just a way, 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 way richer experience than Tracy and Holly read passages from the Green Book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, books of lists are fascinating to pour over. Not always so fascinating to listen to. Yeah. And th- I mean, there are longer pieces of text in there. You know, there are introductions that give a lot of context about what was happening in the world at that particular year and longer descriptions of tourist attractions and things like that. But it's still like... 
the driving the the green book is a a much more meaningful encounter with the green book than passages read. By, yeah, then <laughs> we the would have been us. able to put together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Were there any um moments within that interview that took you by surprise? Yeah. Um. That so. I had listened to the episodes that were out before going in to the interview. And so, I, you know, I knew at least what those first four episodes were about. And I, I had a sense of questions that I wanted to ask. And I had written all of those down. Um, when we were talking about, this is actually a question that I learned when I took a workshop on interviewing at a thing called Max Fun Con, which is the Maximum Fun Podcast Network's annual thing that they uh, used to have. And I took this interview workshop with Jesse Thorne. And he was like, I'm going to tell you a question that could be really great. And the question was like, what did you think this was going to be like? How did it turn out? And how did that compare? Um, And that can be a way to really get people thinking about things in an interesting way. And so that has become a question that I ask pretty often. (laughs) And when I asked it, uh, both Alvin and Janae had totally different responses to it, as you know, if you've listened to the episode. Um, Janae's was was more, like, she didn't know as much what to expect because it, she, she had not done this before. Alvin had done lots of road trips before, so Alvin's response was very much about the planning and the coordination and uh, making sure they stayed on schedule and that kind of stuff. And I interpreted that in my head as Alvin having a sense going into it of what it was going to be like. And so when I asked the follow-up of, like, how did those two things compare, I focused on Janae. Janae was thinking about it. Alvin said, I'm going to say something. And then it turned out Alvin, it did, it came out totally differently from Al- how Alvin was expecting. So, uh, like, everyone who has listened to the episode, like, you heard that exchange play out. Um, <laughs> I had totally misinterpreted Alvin's uh, description of the planning process as um, as meaning that it like it went according to his mental plan, and that was not not actually the case. <laughs> I um, like I said, I'm so glad that we got a chance to have them, uh, and that that you know sometimes one email will lead to great things. So I, I was really really pleased that conversation started. Uh, I think while you were out, yes. And then I was like, yes, from me. And I imagine from Tracy, but let's wait just to, just in case. Um, and of course, you were like, yes, yes. So it, I but was so But at that so point, thrilled. you were out. It was all <laughs> <laughs> Just to make everything a little confusing. Yeah, we were having kind of a relay race of podcast at that point where I was out and then you were out and we were handing thing off, things off to each other. So again, uh, I cannot thank Alvin and Janae enough. They were so gracious and so generous and such a pleasure to talk to you. Those are always the most fun interviews when the people that you're talking to um, are generous with their time and, and make wonderful conversations. So um, I hope folks enjoyed the interview. Uh, again, if you if you have been listening like, oh man, I wish they would say the name of that show again. It is Driving the Green Book. It's available in all the major podcast things. Give it a listen. If you want to write to us, we're at historypodcast at iheartradio.com. And you can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and the iHeartRadio app and anywhere else you get podcasts. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 